Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is McEnroe, aka Rod Bailey. This is the Peanuts and Corn 2020 podcast, and this is episode 23. Um, and this is almost, we're almost at the end of the whole series. And so, uh, I've been meaning to sort of do an episode devoted to myself as a rapper. Um, my name is McEnroe. I mentioned that already. And, um, I've put out some records. And so I thought that, uh, maybe I could do an episode where I just talk about the records that I made as a solo artist. And because, um, I didn't want to be by myself, talking about my records i decided to invite my good good friend steve st louis back onto the program with his golden voice and his uh charming wit steve how are you i'm doing well and thanks for having me back absolutely so uh it's gonna be lots of fun yeah so we thought we would just do that thing where you don't really plan anything we turn on the mic and we uh, play some songs and uh and uh we can kind of go through my catalog over the years yeah, I'm good. At, I'm good at not planning anything. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, so yeah, so basically, um, we have a bunch of songs to play, and um, so just to start, I mean, obviously, I started rapping back in the early '90s and was in a group called Farm Fresh, and we're not going to kind of get into the Farm Fresh years, but um, basically, I wasn't really a writer until. Um, getting in with farm fresh and i started making beats and realizing that i needed to rap if i wanted to have something to do on stage because it really became clear like when we started out it was like tyler was the dj pat was the rapper and i was the producer i guess slash you know like tyler was the producer as well so it was like well what am i going to do when we play and so bit by bit you know i would get a line here and a line there and i was like sort of the hype man and i wanted to rap a little more so i really just were became you writing a, were you writing those lines um sometimes at the very beginning um we would all write lines and then tyler would sort of split them up and he would take like i would write a few lines and he would take that line and then he would kind of compile songs together and mm. then dole them out and so mostly it was like especially early on it was like most of the lines would be pat and then i would have a line here or a line there like the classic mm. is you know if people have seen on youtube we have a video of us playing celine dion on um on uh, manitoba midday and that was sort of how <laughs> it was where like you know pat does about 70 to 80 percent of the rapping and so i've got like a little four line thing and then i've got a couple mm. other throwaway lines so that's how it was. But Let me ask you something though. Yeah, yeah. When you when you realize, oh shoot, I I guess I better start writing rhymes and becoming a rapper. Was that were you daunted by that? Or was it kind of or were you were you know how did you feel about that when you came to that realization? Were you, were you was it kind of an onerous for you or a chore or? I mean, it was all about pleasing Tyler and Pat, right? So. <laughs> You know what I mean? Okay, it was like, hey, is this good enough? Can I, you know, and they're kind of like, at the first, they're kind of like, yeah, no, you don't get too many lines, you know, because I just wasn't ready, right? And it was like, they were the standards and and they would decide whether or not I was, being, you know, how much rap I would get. And it just sort of evolved from there. So, hmm. <laughs> but yeah, it but was you're like, kind of com- you're you're kind of competitive and, yeah. you ha- and you're, you're a pretty highly motivated individual. So I wonder if sort of, shooting for that approval you, you would have been highly motivated to like get better and and get on par with them for sure I think. yeah, and, yeah. I, and i think it was just all that happened it was like by the you know thinking about us doing our first show 
uh, whenever that was, like early 93, I think. And then, you know, think about December 94, we put out the Space EP, and that is clearly like 50-50 rap. Like I'm not a, I'm not a, yeah. I'm one of the rappers. So, you know, That's with right. yeah. going from basically barely writing at the end of 92 to, you know, writing a lot in 94. And a lot of that was the Winnipeg scene and meeting other rappers, like... You know, yeah, freak show you guys up your and game all quick. That. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But to jump forward, um, so we can get into some music though. You know, we did Farm Fresh, and I was happy in a group. But once, when Farm Fresh sort of disintegrated, and what happened was Pip's kid sort of um, left town, and and Tyler and I were sort of just left alone and still in the hip hop scene. And I was working on getting my degree and all that kind of stuff, but I was still really working on hip hop. And it sort of became like, well, if you want to write songs, you got to write them by yourself right now. So I was writing solo songs and then sort of decided to make a record as a solo artist. And that's when I became Macaro. Mm -hmm. And that would have been writing. The, I wrote most of that in like between 96 and 98 and put it out in 98. Um, right. So why don't we listen to we did, you know, last time you and I were together, we did play. Uh, you picked on the original. From, yep. which is probably the most famous song from the record. But here's a song also from the record that, uh, that I did called Fishing for Ideas. Let's have a listen and then talk about it. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, yeah. Fishing for Ideas. Fishing for Ideas. Something was fishing. You be fishing for ideas, fishing for ideas, fishing for ideas. Something was fishing. I got concepts for years, filling up your ears. Concepts for years. Something was fishing. You be fishing for ideas, fishing for ideas, fishing for ideas. Something was fishing. Got concepts for years, filling up your ears. Concepts for years. Since the year a nine double, I've been making beats without trouble. So many fumble and talk about as deep as a mud puddle. But there will be no rebuttal when I flash by like a space shuttle. I invent like Orville and Wilbur right the first time. I admit my first rhyme is not worth repeating. In the world of music, there is no such thing as cheating. That's why my first beat easily defeating your latest effort. I began with a record player and a tape deck, a realistic disco mixer and a mic set. No need to go into debt with a hip-hop hobby that I might not have skills at yet. I believe in natural progression Let this be a lesson I began with the need for a boss tape session Eight seconds loops and drums Soon became an obsession Not like the cologne Ooh. I assault the ears, not the nostrils Manipulation of recorded fossils Leads to the need for apostles or trainees But mainly keep it solo Going through grainy samples Amplified and faded Inconsistent shady Elements that continue to plague The ability to perceive rap as a legitimate Intricate art form and even a little bit of respect not based on revenue is more to ask than the industry could ever do something was fishing you be fishing for ideas fishing for ideas fishing for ideas something was i got concepts for years filling up your ears concepts for years something was fishing you be fishing for ideas fishing for ideas fishing for ideas something was i got concepts for years filling up your ears concepts for years before you buy a sampler or else a pair of techniques, your motives need to be inspected. Do you want to learn, be creative, and expand, or else spend three grand and look like the man? You don't start a group. 
just so you could be a star That's why man invented the sports car Do the world a favor and spare us the flavor Don't buy a set of turntables Buy a Corvette Yeah Buy a Corvette Buy a Trans Am Buy a Grand Am Buy a Mustang Buy a Firebird Buy a Kitgar Don't buy turntables or a sampler You be fishing for ideas Fishing for ideas Fishing for ideas I got concepts for years, filling up your ears, concepts for years. You be fishing for ideas, fishing for ideas, fishing for ideas. I got concepts for years, filling up your ears, concepts for years. Something was braggadocio on that record <laughs> it is it's the most rap record i made and it's this weird mix of like chip on your shoulder indie rap and engineering terms and <laughs> <laughs> right it's just hey, like it, so awkward it just, it, it just it, the last four or two bars it dawned on me what that vocal sample something with fishies from it's Saphir. Saphir. Saphir yes. the Saucy Nomad. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, that's that's Ty- so that's Tyler scratching Saphir, and then I'm scratching, I think it sounds like um, Ray Charles, like this little wobble scratch thing that I did. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, so, that I got asked then, you decide, okay, I'm going to make a solo record since Pat's not around, Pipskid's not here. Yeah. I still want to make music. I'm going to go do some solo stuff. How did you land on the name McEnroe? And uh, yeah. what, what's the decision to go all lowercase with it? Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, McEnroe was just, I guess it was just an idea I had as far as it being like, kind of wanted to just, I needed a new name because I was Roddy Rod, the microphone god, and just, there was a, one, there was, a, there was always another Roddy Rod out of the mm-hmm. Bay Area or somewhere on the West Coast that was like a producer. And right. two, I uh, just needed like a, a name and I just thought McEnroe was kind of a cool name as far as like, yes, referencing the tennis player kind of, but, um, you know, just trying to be like this, I don't know, bad boy rebellious name or something. I'm not sure. I just liked mm. the name and I was kind of workshopping it and people around, you know, I remember asking Odario, he really liked the name and just people around me, I think and call myself this and everyone seemed to think it was a good idea. So I just went with it. And then I, um, I don't remember. I don't remember you asking me. Sorry. Yeah, I don't know. I guess you weren't there that <laughs> day. It's probably not a yeah. long process. <laughs> it was a one-day focus. Group. Yeah, exactly. Like whoever happened <laughs> to be at the drop-in center that day, and yeah. uh, and then um, the lowercase things just always been a, a style choice for me. Like I was really messing. You know, the thing is with when I got this computer in like '97. Uh, you know, I started making music on the computer and I was also like, you know, me and my friend Jay Hum 
we're all into like pirating software and, and getting all all this Mac software we could. So it was like we were also into pirating design software. So we're messing with design, you know, like mm. Photoshop and and Illustrator and all font. these Things. yeah fonts yeah. exactly. And so it was like messing with design and looking at the word Macenroe is sort of like trying it out and really liked it lowercase didn't like how it looked still don't like how it looks like with a capital M and a small c and a large e or anything like that hated yeah. that just like I like the name as a, all lowercase so it's a good choice yeah and uh so yeah put out that record the ethics ep and you know put uh put some effort into it made pressed it on vinyl so finally we had vinyl a little bit behind the other guys like you know freak show already had vinyl different shades had vinyl mood rough had vinyl um so that was the first peanuts and corn project on vinyl that's right it was the first project of on cd and the first project on vinyl up until then it was all tapes so, so yeah, and That's right. so, so I actually got a little bit of money from Manitoba Film and Sound to help press the vinyl, and mm. um, yeah, and kind of that really like, you know, I sent it to a bunch of people and started to get it out there and really worked it more than any record I've ever worked. Like I remember going to Toronto and like going to radio shows, and <clears throat> you know, hand to handing the vinyl and just working it. Like, check mm. this out. I was really proud of it. That kind of thing. It's a milestone record then in that case. And, but obviously, too, having it in the format, in the CD format and a vinyl format would have made it a lot easier to, to like network it and, and promote it, right? Yeah, like an, versus, up until then. Tapes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you just felt like everything was exploding at that time. Like I even talk about in that song, you know, don't go buy turntables and a sampler. Like when we started out in the early 90s, you couldn't go into Long Equate and get turntables. That's you know? right. And uh, and then all of a sudden it's like in the catalog, there's a hip hop mm -hmm. thing where you can go and get turntables and all this stuff's available, which for, you know, we're kind of like as I'm trying to be like Mr. OG or something like all these new jacks making hip hop or something. I'm not sure, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, forget about those kinds of things. Like, OK, you're right. You couldn't walk into a music store and, and get get turntables and a mixer yeah um so so easily um and 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 furthermore the internet i mean by 98 it was it was popping off pretty good but when you guys even started 90 93 94 95 it was still very uh it, it was still in a, it's in its infancy the way we use the internet to communicate and promote and things like that oh yeah like you know the early tapes have my like u of m that's email right. address like um bailey zero <laughs> dot 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 ccg right. and it's like it's funny yeah like it was you know there was nothing going on when we were doing no tapes websites. and it just yeah. between yeah. 96 and 98 a lot happened like sandbox was open and, and all these things and you could preview music online even though the quality was just terrible but yeah it, it really got it really got happening no Cool, uh, good way to kick it off. Yeah, yeah. So the next What's song I want to play is, um, so what also happened then is I finally graduated from school from engineering and got a job in the corporate world. Uh, first, I worked for Manitoba Telecom in Winnipeg and then um, and then moved to Vancouver and got a corporate job working for a company called Glen Air where I was working on systems for pagers, of all things. Paging infrastructure. So, um, so 
So the Ethics EP was kind of written like, I want to be a rapper and, you know, kind of rap rap. And then I started to get more into some of the ideas of like the corporate world and getting a little more real and maybe more of a style. Um, so I want to play this song, which is called Good Corporate Citizen. This was on the um, Factory Seconds compilation. It was also something I played live quite a bit for the really dope um, crowd hype stuff at the end, which I say tongue in cheek. So let's check this out. This is Good Corporate Citizen from uh, Factory Seconds. That it's time to get rid of them Even when it's apparent that the company's inherently evil I train myself to get along with these people I got nothing in common with Watch the clock ticking Knowing the job market is offering slim pickings So I get in where I fit in Sitting in a chair ergonomically designed to increase productivity to increase synergy I have no energy to interpretate our leaders when they speak to us corporately Cause they only care about the price of the share In relation to the Nasdaq index Balances and checks and dividends It never ends until retirement at the tender age of 65 I'm 26 now 39 years of barely being alive Now's the time to be investing in an RRSP Money on my mind so don't mind if I'm testy I got a pin for loyalty Cause I never whined about not getting paid for overtime Call me a pushover but when layoffs loom I'll be the last in line to get the pink slip of doom And I'll never let the director pass by without passing a compliment About his hair or his tie See I'm the kind to take the time to make sure my aspirations are obtained And I got this corporate ladder to climb in my mind Body and spirit are slowly drained to play the good corporate citizen I'm going insane but getting paid bi-weekly Helps to ease the pain, so I smile weakly. I have my pride, swallow it. Been shown the path to success, and so I follow it. Somebody say multi billion dollar conglomerate. Multi billion dollar conglomerate. Somebody say multi billion dollar conglomerate. Now throw your hands in the sky and wave them from side to side. Now clean out your desk by the end of the day and join the unemployment line. Yeah, that one worked. <laughs> People, I would play that live and people would all yell, multi-billion dollar conglomerate. I, I remember it well, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, interesting how, you know, the music you're, you're making, the lyrics you're writing was, you know, was a reflection of what was going on in your life or things that you were discovering, you know, versus, you know, we know there, there would have been a a number of MCs that had day jobs, um, but certainly didn't talk necessarily talk or rap about their day jobs. They had it was very separate those things, right? Yeah. So that's kind of kind of cool how you wove wove those things into your into some of your music. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, I guess I just I definitely was influenced by you know everyone around me making you know, getting away from, we all, we all sort of got away from that, like just braggadocia rap, you know, right around mm -hmm. this time. So, 
especially you know i think hearing the fermented reptile project and that you know not being braggadocia rap at all in any sense mm-hmm. right and it was like that sort of defined where we all kind of went and uh so i definitely followed that lead and and was trying to be really real with who i was and just felt like i could um you know I, i'm just unique in that respect that you know i have like had these jobs like engineering type jobs i definitely had jobs in the corporate world where i could see it but i kind of saw it i definitely saw it with cynicism and i could write about it with cynicism you know mm-hmm. and um like i said i think i wrote that working for this paging company that it was just like the most pointless job and really boring <laughs> and and uh and i was just dreaming of of uh not doing it anymore and and i got my wish i got laid off and mm-hmm. uh and went out went out on the road with everybody and we did the break bread tour which we talked about last time but, what um, year was that that you got laid off was two, it 2001 it was it was 2001 like october 2001 so <laughs> wait no but that's like a month before i got laid off <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and then and then the tour happened okay Interesting. Well, like, i got I laid off i was i was i was told in like march of 2001 that um we're gonna keep you until the end of october that's basically what i was told so yeah okay and so then i started to plan and so i think i applied for some grants we got a little bit of grant money for that tour and we were like planning 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 because it was like the day after my last day got in a van and started like headed to winnipeg to pick everybody up and start this tour yeah um interesting well people listening would listening to us talk here would think 2001 was pretty bad year getting laid off and everything <laughs> it was a bad year i mean you know it was like i remember going to i mean it was a, it was good in the sense that i was happy to be laid off personally you know but um yeah you know it was me like, too there was, there was all the madness of september 11th there was a lot of just you know it was, oh, it was one of the most negative years i can remember going back except for say this year which is one of the worst yeah. years ever right but totally well that's happy stuff <laughs> but <laughs> um so to jump forward to another record where along these same lines um you know i did the ethics ep and was planning on doing an album right away but then didn't and then um i knew i wanted to do an album but i want i just had this habit of doing eps right before i wanted to do an album like just because i was impatient so mm-hmm. i started working on my second ep which is called the convenience ep and um the basic idea with that was i had these two songs that i thought were really strong the first two songs on the album which one was called um the corner store and the other one's called give me convenience so definitely these themes of corporatism and things like that are starting to really enter my mind and um so let's let's check out this song called give me convenience from the convenience ep and then I'll kind of tell you what the influences are and that kind of thing. I want free samples, free parking, standard hour shopping, a discount and a smile just for stopping by. I never pay sticker price, get it through your thick skull. I'll tell you what I want, but we'll never tell you twice. I expect a store clerk to be at my beck and call. Got a good mind to haul ass, never come back to this mall. There's 20 more in this community, all better. I might do the ultimate and write your manager a letter describing how you let me down. I'm so disappointed. First appoint myself to public service and report you to the Better Business Bureau. 
I hate to play the hero, but convenience is a right. I think it's in the Constitution as the 711th Amendment. Or maybe it's a commandment. God wouldn't want me to wait more than five minutes in line or walk 1,000 miles to find what should be on every corner. When I enter your store, I should be greeted by a senior. Or service is a crime more than a misdemeanor. When a melon headed teenager starts telling me the wrong aisle for the sporting goods, it should be a felony. So give me convenience or give me death. It's a right that I'll fight for till I've had my last breath. Or they pry my cold hands from around the credit card. But it's hard to find good help these days. So give me convenience or give me death. It's a right that I'll fight for till I've had my last breath. Or they pry my cold hands from around the credit card. But it's hard to find good help these days. is money where truer words ever spoken I gotta be running because i gotta keep my eye on the economy and pick up the kids before three that's me sitting right out front in my suv and i'll be on the phone with my broker opening a new account in my portfolio it's a whole new way to invest and i guess it's a whole new way of life for you to detest call my daughter on her cell tell her that i'm sitting out front we communicate better ever since call waiting but i'm late for a meeting and it's grating on my nerves and you think she'd be grateful that I'm at her service I take her through the drive-thru so we can dine before dropping her off I'm glad we could spend this quality time Now I turn on a dime on my Michelin's back to the office again Flirt with my secretary on my way to the boardroom Budget cuts and layoffs, time to lower the boom It's a recession, but I'm unaffected Just bought a cabin, it's a cold world So I take what I can grab in a minute Make that a lifetime if it ain't nailed down then it's by right mind So give me convenience or give me death I want it all till there ain't nothing left You know You know And uh, I thought it was well written. I I feel like the first two songs, the bass that um, the convenience EP are like super good, and then the rest is kind of filler. But I was kind of just messing around. Like, um, there's a song with Bird. There's a song with Smitty. There's a song with Pip. There's a song with Josh Martinez. You know, just kind of like, oh, let's do let's do all these other kind of, you know, not fully realized ideas. But um, but that that was one of the ones that i was proud of so what what was going on that was 2002 and so what was going on oh you did you write that before 2002 yeah i would probably wrote it you know 2001 2002 but i gotta say like the song's called give me convenience i said give me convenience and give me death like there's an album mm -hmm. one of the most influential influential albums in my life has been uh that's actually a compilation by a group called the dead kennedys this punk rock group that have an album called Give Me Convenience and Give Me Death, which is sort of like, you know, take off of Give Me Liberty or Give Me Death. Like how, yeah. um, and, and, and the tone, you know, like 
I don't know how much punk rock you've listened to, but the tone of Jello Biafra is just so pitch perfect. And he was so ahead of his time. Like all the, everything that's happening now, he's almost like foreshadowed, you know, and some of it, some of it dates because he's talking about specific corruption, you know, American corruption and with respect to whatever was happening in, in the early eighties, but it's still the same shit. It's just so mm -hmm. on point. Right. And mm -hmm. so, um, you know, as a young skateboarder, I got put onto Dead Kennedys and was super influenced by them. And I'm still, you know, I listened to them the other day and it was like, just so, such good writing, like so smart and clever and just, you know, funny and yeah, like just very huge influence. So got to give a shout um, out. Yeah. I'm aware of, I'm aware of his place in, in that and all of that, but never dipped my toes in that water. Uh, the DK with Dead Kennedy's water. Uh, I think I was just always too scared, scared off by that album cover with the little shriveled up hand inside. The <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I go to, I go to records on wheels, uh, on Portage Avenue here in Winnipeg yeah. and they, they sold a lot of punk and that album would be up on the wall and I would just be, it would just cringe. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I was uh... curious though, but I should, I should definitely uh, invest some time and check it out because I know they're so influential. When it's all about you... like what, you know, like in, in my case, I saw, you know, I have a story about this. I think in, uh, actually we should, it's just, there's actually a story about this in one of the songs we'll play coming up but you know I literally was skateboarding with other kids and someone had the words Dead Kennedys written on the grip tape and mm -hmm. it was like oh well, who's that I want to know who that is I want to copy that you know I want to be like you guys right and so then mm -hmm. I get a copy of that Dead Kennedys and it's like blows my mind and it's like you're just at that age where you're super influ mm -hmm. you know can be influenced by stuff like that you know so yeah yeah what's what's the name of that record I'm talking about creepy cover oh Vacation. uh it's called uh i think it might be fresh fruit for rotting vegetables no it's uh oh hold on let me just tell I thought, you i thought it had something to do with vacation or holiday or something maybe i'm wrong i think it's plastic surgery disasters that's what it is oh my god it's got uh okay. it's got a little gnarled like alien hand or something yeah that's what it is um yeah so what did I want to do next? So then, so that came out the Comedian CP, but I was working, working, working on a solo album. So unlike the, um, unlike the Comedian CP, I mentioned, you know, I, obviously I had this crew, the Break Bread crew, we were all going strong. We all had solo albums. I think Pip had the first one and then uh, John Smith had the second one and Gruff had, had the third one. And I knew I had to work on my solo album, but it came quite a bit after, you know. Um, mm -hmm. But um, unlike the EP where I had everybody on it on the um, on my solo album, I was like nobody's on it. So the the my first actual solo album is called Disenfranchised. It came out in 2003, I think. 2003, mm -hmm. yeah. And um, so pretty proud of that like that i think where i really spent a lot of time writing it and working it out and there's only a couple songs i wish i could do over but a lot of strong <laughs> stuff on it i think so um maybe i'll jump to the song because i was referencing it um this song's called wandering eye so i actually get into you know talking about dead kennedys and all that stuff and this is this song's basically about all my musical influences and being woken up by skateboard kids and that kind of thing. So let's check this out. 
I pledge my allegiance in the summer of 92 Mecca and the Soul Brothers sealed the deal Before that I was a casual listener But I kept my guard up cause it didn't seem real I always knew I would be a musician At age 6 I knew all the words to Elton John I played air guitar like Eddie Van Halen Though I couldn't get my hair cut like David Lee Roth I stayed up late just for Friday night videos Back when videos were cool No matter what the song And I'd vote for the top 10 on AM radio Which hardly ever changed You could always sing along And my mom, dad and I could agree on a record To play on a road trip But that would change I was down with Doobie Brothers and Hall of Notes Duran Duran, Michael Jackson and a host of other names But along came guys like Brian Adams And the audience got older so things got soft After the invention of the power ballad It was time for this team to turn his radio off So I rode to the skate park in silence Till one day R.K. had the word dead Kennedy's on his grip tape When I inquired he said I wouldn't like it But instead they remain one of my favorite bands to this day and I was welcome to a world I never knew Most of these bands were beyond obscure They had to make their recordings for themselves So it sounded kinda rough, but the music was pure But nothing stays the same forever And punk became alternative and audiences grew And I went from Descendants to Smashing Pumpkins But by the second Lollapalooza I had to find something new I got a fun soul for you, man I got a fun soul for you now if you like punk rock, then you knew Public Enemy And of course De La Soul and the Beastie Boys But I mostly thought rap was a kind of commercial That was used to sell chicken and children's toys We used to dance to Dinosaur Jr. And when Hammer came on, we would head out to the hallway But after Becca and the Soul Brother hit me It was all rap, only rap, just rap all day I had to get everything in my collection So Pippi and Honeycutt gave me dubs Never enough just to be the critic So making beats and writing rhymes became my love We started farm fresh and played with anybody Punk, rock, hip hop, folk and country We thought we could sign to a major label So we played for A&Rs but we came up empty I kept it low key while I got my degree And never thought of doing it seriously And I worked full time in a shirt and tie And on the side made a record called The Ethics EP it was fun, but also a business We started to require more and more time In 01, we released five albums And soon I was no longer on the corporate dime Being self-employed is a dream come true Where every day of freedom seems better than the next But I'm starting to believe that I'm starting to forget that Hip-hop is more than just cashing checks And I wanna stay the fan I get every new release But they're starting to move me less and less and when I'm working on the books, I listen to classic rock and look at this art form and wonder what's next. Hip-hop. 
Hip-hop has taught me so much about music Without it, I would not be a fan of Al Green And I truly believe in the music my friends make I've accepted that will never be part of the mainstream I'm grateful that I'm able to put food on the table And I'm glad I found an audience for me to maintain But I want that feeling from Mecca and the soul of a wonder It's a classic. It changed my it changed my life according to that song. It, three times you mentioned it, no doubt. That's right. <laughs> okay. At one point you said it starts moving you less and less. Hip hop, right? Yeah. Interesting. It's hard to uh yeah, I mean it's hard to listen to anything for at this point, like I wrote that song in whatever, two thousand and three, so I've been listening to hip hop for yeah. 15 years and um i'm living it you know i'm making my live off, living off of it so yeah you know listen, listen i find i find that the older i get the less it moves me you know yeah. and i like and i like my classic stuff um although some a lot of the stuff i used to love i don't i never listen to it anymore um and new hip-hop like I'll seek it out. I'll, I like getting recommendations from friends. Yeah, I, I'm I'm finding stuff where I really like the beats, um, but the lyrics or sometimes just don't do nothing for me, or the rappers don't do much for me, or they're just too dark and grimy and too many words. I don't like them, but they're saying you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> become a little sensitive in my old age. Yeah, I can't even listen to it around my kids. So yeah, it's tough. I, I, anyways. But yeah, that song came out in 2003 from Disenfranchised. And um, a lot of people told me they really liked that song and meant something to them. So pretty happy with that yeah. one. Yeah. And I'm um, really happy with the production on this whole album. I really um, tried to go to another level with it and worked really hard on it. And, um, you know, felt like I did, did some good work. Has any has you had you ever been got in trouble for sampling ever? Because you no. did a lot of sampling. Yeah. No. Hmm. No. Been under I mean, the radar I mean, you all didn't, these years. Yeah, you didn't, and and you didn't use a lot of obvious samples. Although although there were some, but but you yeah. were good at just like finding pieces and and making songs out of them, and and yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, a combination of trying to be clever about it and just being under the radar and not worth suing you know i mean back yeah. in back in like 2000 and, sorry 90 something like right around the time we were doing crazy friction 
someone wanted to license a song that we had done for Crazy Friction that sampled something off Blue Note Records. And mm-hmm. it was for this compilation that was out, um, some like some like Canadian thing that was based out of Vancouver. And yeah. they called me to, to license it. And I was like, yeah, but there's a sample on there. So I actually like called up Blue Note and I don't know, I, I don't know what number I called. Like I looked up their number or something in New York, called them and said, yeah. I want, I want to know about clearing a sample. And the guy's like, I, I don't even know who I talked to. Like just whoever answered the phone. And I basically, they just were like, how many copies are you making? And I'm like, I don't know, 500. And they're like, don't worry about it. <laughs> it was just so, it was so absurd. It was just like, I don't even know who I talked to. It was just like. <laughs> Yeah, call us back when you're like, you know, this is like 94 or whatever, right? So it's like okay, so 500 copies. Song, yeah. <laughs> did the song get onto the compilation? Yeah, yeah. The did. Yeah. Really? Yeah. What song was it? It was Space Part, whatever the Space, Space Part 4, I guess. Yeah. Which is the one that's on, yeah, Space Part 4 is on uh, Crazy Friction. So it's kind of like... Yeah, it's hardly even a rap song. Like, it's kind of this keyboard sample thing, which was like, I don't know, even remember what it was, but it was it was from, uh, from it was on Blue Note. So, I yeah. love that story. Oh, you God. called Blue Note in New York, and, yeah. and they're like, yeah, don't worry about it. Yeah, kid. don't worry about how it. Many cop- how many copies? <laughs> 500? Yeah. Call us back oh, when you got to 5,000 or whatever. <laughs> great. Love it. Those were the good old days. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm worried is like at some point they're going to have an algorithm that just auto scans everything and finds samples. Oh, you why know? don't you design that? You I should design that. I should, I should design it, it. Design it. So, so that, that when it, they come it, after it you, you'll me. have the money. Oh, yeah. Oh, so it ignores your samples. Yeah, yeah it'll just, it'll, <laughs> I'll just put a back door in for, so that it doesn't, uh, doesn't recognize anything that I produced. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Call Darko. He can help you with that. <laughs> Darko, if you're listening, holler. <laughs> yeah. Shazam, but for, for ratting people out on samples. Like, that's a good look. <laughs> I'm shocked that hasn't been made yet. I'm oh sure my it God. has. Okay. We got to uh, stop talking. You got to yeah, cut yeah, this yeah. out of the podcast. Yeah, cut it, cut it. <laughs> All right. So let's play another song from Disenfranchise, which was 2003. Right. So Disenfranchise did really well for me. It's probably, it's probably the best-selling record on Peanuts and Corn, I hate to say. Okay. I was going to ask you what what was your the most critical success or commercial well, success. Well, certainly as McEnroe, that was like I got you know a nice review in the Village Voice. It's an herb. There's some other like you know larger press for the record and good good press. Um, Great. And um, so that was good. I mean, again, I don't didn't do have a music video. Um, I didn't really have, like, we pressed it on vinyl, but we didn't really have, like, a 12-inch. And it wasn't really a single, like, it was an, you know, it's an indie hip-hop album. It's all, like, those yeah. those type of jams. It didn't really have a single. Um, Some radio-friendly or whatever. Not really. I mean, friendly. I did have a song called Let's Pawn the Brace that was could have been radio-friendly if I knew how to market something like that at that time. But it, it was kind of, like, almost too poppy. It didn't really fit. So. Had you done any videos at that point yet, 2003? Uh, not as McEnroe, but, um, you know, we had done a video for, for John Smith and then LaPere had done one for Pip Skid, but, you know, those videos were right. just like, 
grainy little internet things that you know yeah. weren't on broadcast tv and you know by 2003 nobody's really watching rap city anymore right um you know that, that that's one thing that jumped out at me on uh, wandering eye that you just played or that um um about watching video shows and taping recording video shows onto vhs and just recording the whole show recording every single video yeah regardless of who the artist was what the song was what kind of music it was so because i don't know i mean when, when video shows started i mean for me in the 80s it was like you didn't care you were just so excited to see music videos oh man it was crazy friday night videos <clears throat> yeah. there was friday, friday night, night videos, videos which is on uh, like nbc that was like friday nights at 11 30 at night or 11 yeah. really late at night and they played like um, 90 video minutes of hits. videos video hits yeah video and then hits. there was I mean, uh, just, good rockin tonight Oh yeah, and just you just collect you just collected VHS tapes full of music videos, but it says something about our tastes too, right? Is that we weren't so uh, it wasn't so siloed. Like I like I could get down with all kinds of music, and sometimes yeah. even if I didn't care for the song, I I liked watching it because it was neat to see what they did in the video, maybe or something. So. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, you just yeah. consumed music videos, and then as we got like as. as you know, like when we grew up, it was like we were seeing Cindy Lauper videos and Michael Jackson videos. But then in the late 80s, it was like, oh, there's like um, uh, City Limits where it's, you know, there's 90 minutes on the weekend of, you know, weird videos like Sonic Youth and Dinosaur mm -hmm. Jr. And like all this weird stuff where these are bands that have no money for actual videos. So it's like a shot on eight millimeter and they're just super grimy or shot on videotape. And, yeah really Remember and that. then of course rap videos which started to come up in the you know we saw rap videos but as far as canadian rap videos you know mm -hmm. those started to happen like say 93 94 like rascals had one of the first videos and got played so many times that kind of thing yeah i would think backbone slide by maestro fresh west would have been one of the very first canadian oh, yeah. ones for sure yeah and one yeah. of the reasons why you, like it, if you didn't have a video and have that outlet that would play it like does he have a hit record because are they playing it on the radio not not in most stations in canada maybe nope. in toronto yeah. but not really many markets for that so so true all right so you're gonna play another one off disenfranchised yes this song's called working in the factory this is McEnroe from disenfranchised <laughs> What they used to be working in the factory, going to the picture show, listen to the radio, and it was okay not to know. Not to know. For your family, buy a big house and live together happily from birth to the funeral, and it was okay not to know. Not to know. Things ain't what they used to be. Working in the factory, going to the picture show, listen to the radio, and it was okay not to know. Not to know. Life 
was in black and white And people knew wrong from right And kids never stayed out all night And a tough day at the office Man, an extra call or two And you knew all of your neighbors And your neighbors knew you And if you read it in the paper Then it had to be true And you voted for your mayor And you had no old dues And if your country went to war You'd sign up in a minute And you'd give your life and more To protect the people in it And that knock at the door Is probably not a sales call, is it? Just a visitor saying hello Or the town physician Back when a house call was possible For the average citizen And the difference Between the poor and rich Was just a stitch The working man felt like a prince There was no such thing as a cynic or pessimist We never let anything get the best of us And everybody read books and had discussions And people ate properly enough for substance And no one had heart attacks, cancer or AIDS And people furnished their homes with things that they made Is this really how it was or am I being naive? I can't believe that it wasn't better before I was conceived Is it overpopulation or too much technology? Or is life better today than it's been for centuries? If I knew about the past, I could make a comparison Bet my grandparents know, but I'm so used to ignoring them And my instinct is telling me to change You can't change direction if you don't know where you're headed in the first place Same what they used to be Working in the factory Going to the picture show Listen to the radio And it was okay not to know And live together happily From birth to the funeral And it was okay not to know, not to know. Things ain't what they used to be Working in the factory Going to the picture show Listen to the radio And it was okay not to know, not to know. in that song um mm-hmm. that bass line which i play bass the first the first instrument i started playing was bass and um that bass line is very much influenced by peter hook who was in a band called joy division and then later a band called new order and that is the kind of bass line he might play if he mm. was was to try and jump on a rap song i guess um but yeah, that's uh, working in the factory. That's from Disenfranchised, and um, play some bass on that. Play some guitar, and then uh, sample some keyboards and some piano, and so pretty, pretty um, full-sounding beat, I think. Yeah. Is that, so is that record um, when you start you're, you're getting dabbling in live instrumentation or moving more towards a you know making your own music versus sampling? Um, not really. I mean, I'd always, you know, right from the beginning, I've always played little bits on, um, you know, like even on the first Farm Fresh stuff, I played some bass here and there and that kind of thing. So, but I think it was more like I just wanted a really fuller sound. And so, you know, one way to achieve that on this album was certainly 
um, you know, playing playing some of the bass and playing there's guitar all over the album and stuff like that. Um, so just more experimenting, but but they're all very sample based beats. Like it, I don't start, you know, later on, you know, we'll get into where I've start making songs based on full composition. Like I make a riff of my own and then build around it as opposed to, you know, at this time, I'm definitely starting with a sample of some kind. And then mm-hmm. I may fill it out with some more stuff, whether it's other samples or li- or live instruments, but um but um but not not like oh i'm making beats that are just pure no samples you know that that's not mm-hmm. till later so so why why did you start going in that direction um no real reason just just enjoy playing music yeah just experimenting you know just i just go through different phases you know where um i just want to sit down and be creative and sometimes if you've been just going through and the process of sampling records for for 10 15 years you can just be kind of tired of it right you know i want to do something else so um so definitely later on i get into um yeah more composition and sampling myself and playing little riffs and sampling them and we can play some examples coming up but um you know i just kind of waver back and forth like for example right now this the last few months i've been making beats a lot of beats for for Pip to check out because I'm trying to get him to write an album and he's sending me demos, and um, and those are all sample based beats. So you know I've been doing very few of those up until now, but uh, because I digitized my entire record collection, now I have my entire record collection on a hard drive. So now uh-huh. I can actually start messing with it again, putting in Serato, looking for bits, and you know really messing with the pitch and stuff like that, and really finding some weird things and so so i've been making beats again with records you know or with digital versions of those records that's that's interesting that that development how you had that time because of the pandemic you had the time to finally digitize your vinyl collection and now you're starting to sample digital versions of those records yeah well i was like i made a beat yesterday uh with a record that i've sampled before i sampled 15 years ago but i used i sampled a different song and did something would that wasn't possible 15 years ago you know what i mean and it's like completely different but it's funny uh-huh. it's like yeah like re, some of these records i could sample every song right and then other ones there's like nothing on them but <clears throat> but it's it's funny yeah it's been yeah like the whole pandemic thing is just got this i wouldn't have done this podcast and certainly i've probably made like 100 to 150 beats this year that i wouldn't have made you know i'm still wow so silver lining man that's right despite all the (laughs) grief out there but yeah yeah. uh where are we going next we're going to so i'm going to skip over a record because right around that time uh, Disenfranchised comes out and you know Peanuts and Corn is in full swing so we did a bunch of other records we did um, we did a Break Bread record we did uh, we did a split record myself and Pip's kid called Disenfranchised 2 Funny Farm 2 where we just each did I did six new songs and he did four new songs and it was just like a double EP thing um, I did a Mac and Roll and Bird of Prey album um, so I'm doing a lot of writing at this time I've worked on a Farm Fresh uh, the, the newest Farm Fresh record at that time, and then so I'm writing. I'm writing a lot, and I also worked on a uh, mixtape. 
called Mastermind, and the idea behind the mixtape was I really wanted to sample breaks that break my own rules because all these years I'd always, you know, I'd been sampling records, but I wouldn't sample something that anyone else had used. Like that was the number one rule. And um, so for Mastermind, I wanted to break that rule and sample things that had been used before, but just do them my way or just have fun with it, you know? And, and uh, so I did that record. And so this particular song, for whatever reason, I guess I sent, I guess I sent this record to CBC and they just really latched onto this song and started playing it quite a bit, which was unexpected because this is just like a little throwaway track that I was doing as a kind of a gag. And, you know, the beats really just a loop and I don't even add drums like it's a really unpolished song for me but uh, let's check it out this song is called Cereal for Dinner and for right. some reason uh, CBC played it a lot and it sort of was like the go-to track when they thought of McEnroe which was not what I intended but anyway <laughs> here it is this is Cereal for Dinner and now these messages if I take one bowl of Cap'n Crunch's peanut butter cereal, part of this balanced breakfast, and I add another bowl of Cap'n Crunch's peanut butter cereal, what have I got? A happy elephant! Ah, uh, that sums it up. Hey, Cookie Crook, what are you doing? Scratching my cap. He's trying to steal our Cookie Crook. Where's the Cookie Crook? Cookie Crook! I know, I know. It even looks like little chocolate chip cookies. But it stays crispy and milk. And it's part of this complete breakfast. Well, Cookie Crook, what do you have to say for yourself? I guess I'm not such a smart cookie. After all, if you like cookies, you'll love Cookie Crisp. On my own in a big town First year out of the house I get to pick now No more meatloaf No more Brussels sprouts No more balanced meals To have to fuss about I ate cereal for dinner Cold pizza in the summer And soup in the winter I ate cereal for lunch, man Captain Crunch and Count Chocula I ate cereal at midnight Snacking while cramming for exams It's a bitch, right? I ate cereal for breakfast Went like a year without seeing any lettuce I didn't do it cause it's cheap I didn't do it for the freedom You know what? I did it cause sugar and milk is good eating After a night at the club It's icy and pancakes with Kent and Jay Hum The next morning I stay home Skip a few lectures, copy your friend's notes For lunch it's chocolate and coke Fruit punch or something with glucose And if you ask, you're never too old For two kids packs on milk and served cold Some may do it, cause they're dead broke I ain't gonna front, mom covered my rent, yo Drinking like a gallon of chocolate milk Stomach so full, if you move it get very ill Playing Super Mario till thumbs were sore Then heading on back to the corner store You know the feeling I did it cause sugar and milk is good eating Did I mention I wouldn't eat meat then? Listen to the Smiths too much in grade 10 Vegetarian that only ate french fries No time for salad, only fruit from apple pies Red dye number 5 and Flintstone vitamins Had kinfolk of vitamin and worrying Stressed about my pale complexion, 130 in Far from a healthy specimen, dirty and Loving it all on a stack of cereal boxes in the hall closet Eating on my own, still cheating on my taxes Just to meet my phone bill, reading through my will I'm leaving my records and cereal Will General Mills be attending the burial? All from my daily feeding I did it cause sugar and milk is good eating Do you remember, um, you remember coming to my place, the Lady Adele Studios on Corden? That was my, that was 
real life was my fridge just had chocolate milk in it, regular milk. Um, I had frozen McCain french fries in the freezer and I had boxes of cereal and not much else. That's what I ate. Yep. When I listened to this song, it reminds me of Lady Adele. apartment. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's exciting to be out on your own and being able to eat what you want when you want, right? (laughs) Yeah. I'd go to, I'd go to, my mom would give me some money. I'd go to uh, Safeway and just, just like buy the worst shit. Just terrible. <laughs> Great one. I love the TV, the Captain Crunch and the Cookie Crisp intro. Yeah. Great. Um, so that was uh, off Mastermind, which came out in 2005. And then um, there wasn't, uh, I was kept, I kept, I was kept busy, but I wasn't, um, it wouldn't be another McEnroe record for quite a while. So just to cover some other stuff, I did another record um, as Park Lake Setting with um, John Smith and with Yai that came out in 2005, 2006. And then I started to wind down working on the label. Working, I started working in film. Um, obviously, I'm living in Vancouver at this time, living in Richmond specifically. And... Um, and but I did work on a record as Roddy Bailey where I did a singing record and um, we're gonna skip over like that because we're just gonna focus on Mac and Roll but that was um, something I did like in 2008 and that was all like instruments no samples and really a development in my production and um, so, you know, I was pretty creative at that time doing videos for it and all that kind of stuff, but I definitely wanted to get back to doing rap as well. And especially I put out the Roddy Bailey and it didn't really do anything. Um, people weren't, you know, checking for it really. Was it primarily singing? I can't. Yeah, it was all like singing. More sing- it was all, <laughs> all singing. singing. There was no yeah. rap at all. But, but then later, in, in the later McEnroe stuff, there's a, you're incorporating both singing and rapping. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is an example. This is, um, so in 2010, I did an album or an EP called The Paper Champion. And um, so that's jumping forward quite a bit. So basically, no Mac and real McEnroe stuff between 2005 and 2010. So mm-hmm. at this point now, I've got a, I've got my first son. He's two years old in 2010. And uh, yeah, lots of, a lot has happened. And like the label... Um, I, will, I go from like in 2005 I'd wake up in the morning and work on the label and the distribution and all that stuff and in 2010 it's back to being like just a hobby um, and I'm working in the film industry and making a living doing that so hmm. but um, still had the bug to keep making rap music and all that kind of thing so this is an example of a no sample song this is called Hella it's just a fun little song that I wrote for the paper champion um it wasn't really a theme to that album. It was just um, some songs I was working on. All the time, all this time, I was working on an album called Burnt Orange, which won't come out for a while, but we'll get to. But I would write these serious, deep songs for Burnt Orange, and then anything fun I would I would put on, ended up putting on the Paper Champions. So here's a here's a song called Hella uh, from the Paper Champion, 2010. Hello. Hello. Hey. Hello. Hey. Hello. 
Standing in a line with my headphones going Trying to make a dime, get the kinfolk knowing A grassroots move, looking past you too I'm on YouTube, the next fad's on who If I could predict, well I wouldn't tell you I just stay sick, misspelled, still true Learn the name kid, Mac to the end row 2006, last drop the dance flow 20 to the 10, tight like a tensor Suspend your license like a fight with the sensor The FCC tried to end my tenure The break bread crew, I'm the representer Attorney general, main investor Asymmetrical architecture Fluid mechanical engineer I'm truthful fanatical heads to hear rhyme My absence calls a panic Saw the loss as another titanic I wonder I ran it Multitask master bandit Too fast for bastards can't stand it Cast a line in the Caspian Sea Cast still trying but the cash is empty They grasp like him for simply No synchronicity and no sympathy A lip sync drift and a sunk ship Dumb shit's giving away like the jumbo shrimp With a steak and a bottomless refreshment Had a low class establishment Bottom feeders who dwell for refills Set up for cheap thrills Fill the cheap seats, cheats and evils Skating coast fake the most takes Stakes are low, but they boast most anyways Who hopes to impress some dope Pressed up to the velvet rope Who knows who sells the most And who gives a flying F-bomb mentality Left with them wrong We went to DEFCON 5 But came back from the brink Now we chill, play shimmy at the rink Not news that Jimmy is a dink He shouldn't listen to me if he isn't gonna think Hello Hey Hello My beat stole like a klepto I could cure your techno like a strep throat All y'all homies who still a step slow I'll never be a phony so I gotta let go Let the tech shine through And never whine to a blind dude After all the karma finds you Wanted to sign too Now I'm fine dude Realize that I'm out of time dude Like R.E.M. Not a modern man Just cause I've never been sick from partying Saved my stomach and a lot of yen Never made a name from it But look who's hot again Said welcome back but my name ain't caught I had my name on a milk cotton But not the ink water modern man who thinks harder sorta make you hit the deck like Tommy Lasorda whole quarters out of order trying to handle half troops on or about lap two is where I passed you the illness skill I got class two the bill is at the till and it says pass you hello 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 I'm hella 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 fresh Hello, 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 I'm hella, hella, hella fresh. Hello, 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 I'm hella, hella, hella fresh. Hello, 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 I'm hella, hella, hella fresh. Hello, 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 I'm hella, hella, hella fresh. Hello, 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 I'm hella, hella, hella fresh. Hello, 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 I'm hella, hella, hella fresh. Hello, 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 I'm hella, hella, hella fresh. Hello, 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 I'm hella, hella, hella fresh. Hello, 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 I'm hella, hella, hella fresh. Hello, 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 I'm hella, hella, hella fresh. I'm. Yeah. Okay, we need to get on the phone with uh, the Hello Fresh Home Food Delivery Service people and license that song. Hey, that's a good idea. It's like um, you're saying hella fresh, right? Yeah. But it kind of sounds like Hello Fresh. It does. Just in the same way that the <laughs> in, in the same way that the song Intimate Connection by Clear sounds like they're saying Internet Connection, even though the song was made in like 1983. And I've always thought some. Uh, cell phone carrier or some you know internet company has needs to license intimate connection by clear 
Internet connection, baby. Well, I think I think that ship might have sailed as well, but that would have been really good yeah. in uh, when you still needed a dial-up or whatever. <laughs> so true. Um, one other observation: I, I've I've always been a big Gilbert Gottfried fan, the, the comedian. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as of late, I've been extra obsessed with him. I listen to his podcast a lot, but. In, in your rhymes and over the years, you've never shied away from dropping sometimes obscure names. I yeah. mean, if you're a sports fan, if you're a sports fan, you might know who Tommy Lasorda is. Yeah. Who was the man, he was the bench boss of the LA Dodgers. LA Dodgers, yeah. 70s and 80s, or I don't know. Anyway, so you drop a little Tommy Lasorda <laughs> reference there. <laughs> yeah. And you've got, you've got an F. Lee Bailey reference in, in on the original. That's yeah. very obscure. And, yes. and uh, it's just Gilbert Gottfried and his comedy routines he would make reference to like old old Hollywood actors that like years on or, or people that just people would have no idea who he was talking <laughs> about and he would build entire jokes around them you know yeah. it's kind of a there's a courage and a bravery and a, and, a, and a I don't give a fuck kind of thing going on there I love it well I mean I think you know for me it's like especially with the Beastie Boys listening to the Beastie Boys where you would know all these words and things and not even understand what you're talking about and then later you would, you know, oh, that, right? Like, you know it from mm-hmm. a Beastie Boys lyric. More than sure, anybody, like, like, there's definitely lots of rap right. with lots of references, but for me, it was like, so much of that was like, you know, they would they would reference something that you didn't even understand what it was, but you don't care, and then and then Until later. later. Until later, so then yeah. you'd be like, oh, right, right, so-and-so, right? Like, like did anyone of us know the album Plug Me In by the saxophone player Eddie Harris yeah, no. before we heard them say Plug Me In like I was Eddie Harris and then you know you're, two years later you're digging through a bunch of records at a record shop and go you see this record called Plug Me In by Eddie Harris and you're like oh <laughs> yeah especially like all yeah. the Paul's Boutique references and stuff like there's so much of that kind of thing so I think that's that yeah. uh, you know anything that you can do to make it to me it's just like the more interesting the better like all these words have been used a zillion times in 30 years or 40 years of rap so like do something to make it interesting right so amen i like that one yeah and so so then um i worked on this other record called hello world and on that on that topic of like trying to do something interesting i guess i went down the you know youtube rabbit hole and started to learn about this guy these people who believe that you know they're called collapsitarians. Do you know what a collapsitarian is? I don't. So a collapsitarian is someone who believes that there's imminent e- full economic collapse coming and that you should prepare yourself for it. So it's kind of like a subgenre of subgenres on the YouTube conspiracy theory shit t- channel type mm-hmm. stuff, right? So if you believe that that the total economic collapse is imminent then you what would you do to prepare yourself well you could look at videos on youtube and they'll give you advice and one of those advice one of those guys that's peddling that advice is like you know they're gonna say get supplies and all that kind of shit of course but they're also gonna say you want to have something because once once total collapse comes then dollars are worthless and your bank account is worthless and you need hard currency and Mm. the best hard currency is called silver so gold or silver but especially silver because gold's too valuable right so um so i kind of went down that rabbit hole and and wrote this song just for fun although it's a really really fun topic (laughs) (laughs) 
But anyway, I wrote this song. I think it is kind of fun. And it's called Stack Silver. So it's about, you know, if about that topic. So let's check this out. Hello, everyone. Today I would like to make a video and telling you what my favorite type of silver is to own. And that would be the 90% silver dimes. Why? Because in an economic collapse, it would be the best form of silver to own, in my opinion. Because if you go to spend them for goods or services, you will get less fiat currency back as change. I don't stack paper, stack silver, argent Cause legal tender is for evil vendors And it's carnage, manifest at its best It's far-fetched to hope for a self-correcting market You want stock in a shop that explodes at Mach 10 The growth always slows and stops then Only those in the know unload Why your hopes and your goals erode or implode And we know the feeling is iller than told So I'm dealing in Silver and gold, really we owe no love to all cheats of Wall Street. It's all peaks and valleys, roller coaster rallies. Rather get robbed in an alley, so I'll see the face of my assailant instead of toll free call screens. IVR labyrinth, pardon my absence of malice, but I've hardened my senses are callous, and I'm parking my sense into ounces as a ballast for protective from checks that bounce from here to Dallas. Watching for the next white rabbit. To lead Alice down a hole like the whole Dow Jones The pros now know the whole damn show Was a casino where the common man pulls the weight of a neutrino Hoping that they meet the fate of Al Pacino As Carlito or Godfather 3 or Dog Day Afternoon It's a long way back for who? Everybody with a mortgage and a payment due Every asset that you forfeit in the name of true lies The democratic circus, the empty and the worthless, the pimply and the perfect are simply played as pawns just to keep the people working. Chasing fiat currency, visas and the merchants. Days cause a number on the screen means you're earning. Burning what you're using, learn of the illusion. Money's for the laundry, billions who be snoozing. I'm dealing in commodities, things you really using. Hoarding precious metals for the coming Armageddon coming soon, so what? Collapsitarian now? Uh, sound sounds very like good advice. I, I'd like to learn more. Wow, 
you should check out. I forget his name, but uh, he's got a lot of videos uh, on YouTube about very various bits of survival um, advice. I think I was so basically what was going on at that time are two things. One, I was writing, doing a lot of research and writing for my album called Burnt Orange, which was about the collapse of civilization. So that's a fun topic. And then also, I will tell you a secret, which is I was renovating my home here in Vancouver, BC, and we pulled apart a wall to do some new electrical and found some a box of coins that was no. um, yeah that was put into uh, like hidden by an original owner. And so there's all these coins that were all, and so I was researching these coins because they're all like pre-1965 Canadian coins, which were all silver, like high, high silver content. And then right around 60, wow. somewhere in the 60s, they, they realized that they were, the silver content was too high and it switched to nickel and blah, blah, blah. Right. And so the value, yeah. the, the melt value of these coins is higher than the, than their uh, face value, right? Like they're worth far mm -hmm. more than a quarter for a quarter. So anyway, right. I think I was researching like that whole thing and got into the rabbit hole of like silver dimes and all this kind of thing. That's right out of a movie. So, okay. <laughs> so you still have them or did you cash them in? No, no I still got them, but they're not in the walls anymore. They're safely <laughs> in a safe deposit box. But, um, wow. yeah, some, a couple of silver bars and, and then coins, all these coins from pre-1965, as well as some Olympic coins from the 70s, like Montreal's, what was that, 76, 72, 76? Yeah. Montreal um, was 76, 76 yeah. I think, yeah. That kind of thing. Mm. Wow. So how do people put things like that in their wall and then just forget about them? It's wild. <laughs> Too bad it wasn't some gold bullion. Yeah, here. no gold, it was all silver, so that's why I was oh, researching. Wow. Cool. I never knew that. I can't find my copy of Hello World. I used to have it. Oh, well, I'll hook you up. I still got was it a full album? No, it was just a four song EP. Four song. Okay. Yeah. And while I was working on, so I was working on my second full solo album called Burnt Orange. And I started writing it probably in like 2008 and I put it out in 2014. So that's kind of crazy. Wow. Um, but I did finally put it out, and I am very proud of this album, um, Burnt Orange. It put a lot of work into it, and I really had fun writing it. So I was researching, and I was like, you know, I have, I've always been really nerdy, as you know. And um, a lot of what I've read in my favorite literature was like Isaac Asimov and sci-fi and all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So I was really embracing that and other things and just really, you know, trying to take take a slant on like, you know, where we're going with civilization and coming up with the thought that, you know, if it were to collapse, what would that look like? And that kind of thing. So I wrote this whole album about like kind of a collapse where everything sort of shuts down and then people just try to figure out what went wrong. And then I was going to also maybe do a movie. I have this movie idea for that goes along with it. Um, but the movie obviously didn't, you know, I didn't go anywhere with it. And I think I just took too long to put this album out that I, by the time I did, I didn't really, like I still cared about it, but I didn't really have the energy to like promote it Right. by the time it was actually done. But I put a lot of energy into the, the production of it, I tell you, the writing and the, the beats and everything, and you know, mm -hmm. so. Um, so the first, so a lot of the influences are all like movies and, and TV 
uh, classic like sci-fi and stuff like that. So the first song on the album is called What's Wrong. And it is, it's a nod to um, a George Lucas movie called THX 1138. I don't know if you've seen that one. I haven't seen it. But it didn't inspire like a whole like line of audio products or something. It's like a Dolby thing. Well, he, like he well, no, it, what it is, is that he, he took a lot of those things and then kept reusing them. So he, he called it THX and then ultimately his company had something to do with the Dolby thing uh, okay and so he kept reusing these kind of things but um you know and he had he, yeah he had these themes that he would just re- keep reusing but this was originally a short film and then a full movie before star wars um, Pre star wars yeah okay. yeah starring robert duvall and um really dark a lot darker than star wars like dystop- dystopian kind of stuff so mm-hmm. um so anyway so he and they're all kind of on on um, medications that are mandatory that's sort of part of the society and so if if what happens is the guy would go to the medicine cabinet and everything's automated and he'd open the medicine cabinet and the medic medicine cabinet would say what's wrong so that's that's sort of the theme for this song um it's called what's wrong off of burnt orange from 2014. Everyone united under one payroll. 
you wonder about And don't you wander about outside Cause these are dangerous days Real time, real life at a breakneck pace You might find your neck broke So be home Cause we know your tendencies See it in your genome Your DNA was pre-approved to be of use And we do never tolerate to be refused The power of the state is absolute Your fate has been determined It's the face of servitude To have with some mentality The pace of how we do That's what's wrong. That's from um, Burnt Orange, 2014. What do you think? Uh, yeah, it's very thought-provoking. So THX 1138 is the George Lucas film that he took inspiration from. Yes. Oh, and, the, and what's wrong is a reference to the film where the medicine cabinet. Talks. That's right. That's right. Mm. And, and what's what's burnt orange mean? Well, so the idea of the album was um, I was sort of like, you know, what 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 happens to um, to force society like kind of underground or whatever you want to say. Like basically, the the arc of the of the um, album is. You know the, the the first few songs like what's wrong is the first song on the album and the first few out songs are kind of like here's why here's why the world's kind of fucked up and then something happens where we are so reliant on machines um that that it shuts us all down or something happens and um and then there's sort of like you know a wild period where um you know people start to get back to what made life worth living again like you know basic basic life you know going back kind of going back in time you know so there's a bunch of like influences to sort of try to make that story and you know i there's one that's kind of controversial but but if i don't remember if you remember the unabomber but he had that manifesto that came out in like the 80s and his whole idea was like there's too much technology and this was in the 80s you know life is too complicated you know humans are best happy when they're just doing simple things and have a simple system around them right and so his whole thing Mm -hmm. his whole thing was like you know you want to um you know like a farmer who just makes wakes up every day and you know farms farms you know with his regular stuff and and has something to show at the end of the day and then goes to to, goes to bed is is a happy person whereas you know the modern person in the city with all these distractions and all this stuff um is inherently unhappy and you know that was sort of his Mm -hmm. his his point and um so you know I, i don't advocate that necessarily and certainly not like with how i live my life but um 
you know, it's an interesting thought. And so the idea would be like, once it gets to be too much and it all shuts down, maybe we become happy again because life is simple again, you know, like we live in these cities with millions of people and all this stuff. And if we lived in a village where you knew yeah, the other 49 people in the village, maybe life would be better. Who knows, right? But Yeah. I mean, we got a semblance of that, a taste of that, just with the, the quarantines and stuff for the pandemic. Where, yeah. Whereas, okay, the technology didn't shut down, but a, a lot of our daily activities and the things that made life feel like a rat race came to a complete halt. And I think that enabled us to just live a bit more simply. People were cooking more of this big this big wave of people baking again you know yeah. uh i know you took time just to reach out to all kinds of people and friends that you don't talk to on a regular basis and just you know same same kind of idea yeah uh, minus minus the losing technology part right. i think it was technology that helped us help us get through this but no, uh, yeah but no doubt if if we didn't life like, slowing down is nice yeah if we didn't have technology then i think it would be a lot harder um mm-hmm. through this pandemic yeah for sure but um yeah. but the idea of this was more yeah i mean and again it's like the it's such the science fiction influence like one of the influences is isaac asimov and another one is just basically like you know the terminator like that movie um you know there's a little bit of that like there's a song where you know we turn on the machine that sort of takes over the world kind of idea which is like sort of the plot of terminator you know when I don't know if you've seen that one lately, but... Um, <laughs> it's been a while, but yeah, I remember. You know, basically they hand over the controls of, like, the defense system to the machines, and then, and as a result, you know, the humans become the enemy. That's sort of that idea. So. Yeah. Well, I'm going to do a, a headphone listen to Burnt Orange start to finish this weekend. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, I put a, I'll play one more song from it. This song's called DCC, and this is... Um, uh, so what it is, is I, I seem to remember from my engineering, this thing called don't care condition, which was, you know, later in engineering, I was in electrical engineering, I was designing circuits. And so circuits, you design a circuit and there's like inputs and outputs for what you want to have happen, whether it's like a control, like a control system or whatever it is. And so there's a system called don't, or there's this condition called don't care condition, where you're basically saying something can never happen and it's a design thing but i kind of liked just had that in my head as like this this so this song is kind of about the design of the thing that shuts it all down and what i what i thought this song was kind of interesting is again like most these beats none of them have samples so this is sort of me jamming and just doing something different and also the way i rap this particular song is almost more like spoken word or something so at the beginning is like this little lecture that I do, which is basically straight from engineering school. And then when I actually get to the rapping, um, I just thought that this was kind of an interesting song because the flow is 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 different. And I, and I feel like, you know, this album has pretty strong rapping, like that What's Wrong. I was always really proud of that, those verses. But this one I thought was like just a different way to do it. So let's check this out. It's called DCC. Conditions only arise during design. They're never present as a result of analysis. Once the circuit is built, the output is always either 0 volts or 5 volts, a logical 1 or a logical 0. There are not three outputs, 0 volts, 5 volts, and don't care volts. 
Don't care arise only in two cases When the designer truly does not care what the output provides And when the input will never occur When the designer truly does not care what the output provides A don't care is appropriate If an input can never occur A don't care can be used during design If the output is critical to safety You must be very careful using don't care conditions For example, suppose the system you're designing controls a safety critical component and receives a BCD input. If you receive a non-BCD input, then something is going wrong somewhere. Instead of a don't care condition, you would want to revert to a safe state output and have a separate circuit create a warning signal. Said it wouldn't happen in a million years. Nothing we could plan for, no fail safe here. Faith in the system, no hypothesis. Flaws in the theorem, broken postulates. Design to spec, delivered on time. Under budget, operators standing by A day historic, changing a master's role The news euphoric, we gave machines control Relays and vacuum tubes take the place of me and you Flip the switch, sit back and witness In a matter of minutes, sitting in darkness yeah, there was a failsafe, but the failsafe failed A transistor's insistence, Darwin derailed We solved ourselves a problem, not a problem but convenience Or found ourselves a shortcut, are we poor or are we elitist? No more though, now back to primordial Back to the stone age, on a quest for fire New world memorial, DCC DCC Another influence of that song is uh, Matthew Broderick in War Games. Remember oh. that one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so at the beginning of the movie, they have men in the silos to launch the launch the nuclear weapons, and then they replace them with relays. So that's um, kind of what that song's about as well. As um, man, film, film, film is such an influence on your writing. Absolutely. Well, yeah. you know, it's like. I, I have a really regular life, so it's not like uh, a lot's happening in the day-to-day. -day. Like, I changed diapers, and I did this, and I did that. It's like, <laughs> you know, you got to take inspiration from somewhere else, really. That's right, yeah. So that's a concept album. That is a concept album, and um, so you're either with it or you're not. And uh, How many concept albums have you made? Well, um... 
vision count? Know. Is Billy, would Billy's vision count? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, Billy's vision is just kind of jamming, but it had a concept that I was supposed to stick to, and I tried to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, Disenfranchised is not really a concept album, but it has themes. Themes, right. And, yeah. um, you know, I mean, I only... So I really only have... that. That's, like, as far as albums, if you talk... I guess you could include Billy's Vision, which we didn't talk about, which was an instrumental album I did in 99. But um, as far as, like, solo rap, full-length albums, that Burnt Orange is only my second, and it's, it's a concept album. And we'll talk mm-hmm. about my third album, which is also a concept album, shortly. Um, oh, yeah. But in the meantime, after, after um, Burnt Orange, at the, around the same time of writing, um, I had these other beats that I called Analog, and they ended up being um, these songs that I did that I really wanted to do live or have a live feel. So originally, um, I made these beats like where I was playing bass and playing the organ and stuff and trying to make it sound really raw. And then I was actually playing with a band, some friends of mine from film, and we um, were working on playing them live. And we never played live, but it was just um, it was just jamming and rehearsing. And then finally, I just had waited too long because I wrote these songs probably around the same time as I wrote The Paper Champion and Burnt Orange, like all around the same time in the early 2000s. And I just wanted to kind of finish these songs. So then... Uh, I met another friend, and his name is Alvaro Rojas, and he ended up jumping on these songs to give play some guitar and give it more of a live feel. And so this um, was an EP that I put out in 2015 called The Bad Sleep Well. So it's four songs, and this is one of them. This is the title track called The Bad Sleep Well, and The Bad Sleep Well is another film that I was influenced by, which is a Kurosawa movie. Um, but I just, it wasn't really the movie itself or the, like the movie is cool. I've seen it a few times, but it's not really, I just always thought there was a cool title to be honest. And, and obviously it's a translation from Japanese, so I don't know what, how well it translates, but I always just thought the bad sleep well was a really cool name, <laughs> despite the fact it's what a good you, movie, but it's not really, you know, it's a whatever. What are you play? What are you playing on this song and what's Al- Alvaro? Uh, Alvaro plays guitar. I play everything else. So I think there's some organ and some uh, bass. And I don't know. Let's listen to it and then I'll tell you because I only remember. Let's check it out. <laughs> cool. That's sleep. Well, well, well. This is film noir, ill but real. Avant's gone surreal to pawn God's goodwill. Children of posh buildings and cost ceilings The last days of Pompeii Part ways at Pompeii Take the next train left All theft is gone gray It's mainstream mayhem A-team amen And A-generation Made for supermarket grazing X-Y naming Crossover stakeholder Design young in the past Over foreclosure The era of the last loner The new republic A super public But few were troubled We grew up above it in view a future subject we grew to love it the exploited self-portrait keywords and pro-corporate features you wore the name upon your t-shirt 
and turn your back towards your teachers. Who has the passion of the preachers in modern day? Maybe sales clerk, but not the same. No commission compensated with minimum wage. And master's action is mass distraction. The face of a fascist faction is the bagman. The bad sleep well because we let him. We let him. sleep well i like the guitar on that really yeah. nice guitar work yeah he's great alvaro is really good and he's all over um a bunch of stuff we've got coming up so we've worked together quite a bit he's super talented super fun he does his own stuff too alvaro rojas which is on it's on Bandcamp. um but yeah really good jazz guitarist but he can get down on anything so great um so yeah, I play, so that, that's that got organ and bass, and then there's like a Mellotron thing there with some of the original like wanky guitar, and then and then Alvaro does like the good guitar on top of it. <laughs> yeah. um, 
But yeah, I bought that. I bought that organ. It's an Ace Tone organ. I bought it. I don't know when, like in the '90s, sometimes. And it's this big, massive, heavy organ that I every like five to ten years I'll take out and like make a bunch of beats with, and then put it back into storage because it's just a pain in the ass. It's like heavy and smelly from the '60s. And it's the one you used to use when you jammed with Arlene. Exactly, for the... it's the one I played with Arlene with. Exactly. What? What's the, oh, for, for on emissions? You used it. The uh, I think it was after emissions. I don't think I used it on emissions, but I think I what got. What organ it. were you playing on emissions? Uh, I was playing uh, an organ module for the electric piano my parents bought. Uh, bought me and that I ended up inheriting kind of thing so it wasn't a real organ it was like an organ sound okay but so you did it you did jam on the ace tone when you were jamming with 100%. our friend Arlene on drums okay because okay. it had because right, I have pictures of that you have pictures of it and it's like because it, it had it had the left on the left it had bass keys and then on the right it had organ keys and so you could put the organ keys through a wah-wah and then keep the bass keys separate and and yeah really fun to play but is it like, like said, a poor man's a poor man's Fender Rhodes or not even close? No, it's a different no. animal altogether. It's like got a really yeah, okay. whiny, whiny <laughs> sound, and yeah, it's not like a Rhodes. But... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, so what year was that? 2015. 2015. And then that takes us. What what's happening between 2015 and this year? Well, Musically. there's some side projects and, you know, like I did a Yai album and then I have these other side projects like I did this thing called Il Cola Company where I like slowed my voice down and did a few songs. I had this other thing called the Renfrew Few where I did a little bit of rapping and singing with Alvaro and my other friend Jenny. Um, yeah, so some just little like EPs and projects, but... Um, I think I decided right around 2015 that I wanted my next solo album to be about... Well, first of all, I said when I released Burnt Orange, I said it was my last album, but I lied. <laughs> and then and then I think I decided not too long after that that my next album would be about growing up in Brandon. And so... Um, Why did you say it was going to be your last album? Were you just done? No, I think I was just done, yeah. Okay, but you weren't really done. No, apparently not. So, <laughs> and so this album is about Brandon. What is Brandon? So Brandon is the town that I grew up in. I was born in Brandon, then I lived, then I moved to Winnipeg, then I moved back to Brandon in 1987, and in grade eight, and met um, Tyler Sneesby on the first day of grade eight, and became a kid in Brandon that loved to skateboard, that loved music, that learned all about alternative music and then hip hop music, and just grew up came of age it's a coming of age thing so very different than yeah. burnt orange about <clears throat> the end of the world this is all just really um you know there's songs about girls songs about friends songs about music it really um kind of pure and naive and nostalgia rap and and it's not released yet so it's coming out i've i've been sitting on it and i've been mixed and pretty much mastered for months and then uh just been sort of figuring out what I want to do with it. And so I've decided it's going to come out uh, in the beginning of 2021. And it's I'm going to do a podcast to um, roll it out. And then once the podcast ends, then the album will come out. So, Well, I wish I had an air horn right now so I could go, <laughs> exclusive. That's right. Exclusive. That's right. <laughs> 
cool. I'm excited to hear this. I've heard, I've I've heard one or two tracks at Honeycut's place, and I really like what I heard. So yeah, it's really mellow. I'll warn you, it's pretty mellow. But um, here's a song, and I haven't even so I don't have song titles yet. But um, here's a uh, a rough master of a song that I call Girl Two. So it's just another song about a girl. And um, there's some guitar on this too. This is Alvaro again, and just I'm really kind of a mellow sounding beat but this is what I was going for is like these short songs these little stories and um, you know some really rich production so check this out full tank stone roses in the tape deck no bank no poses so we break west on a Friday afternoon in June we left kneeling in the rear view totally in tune me and this girl who played it on again off again now in year two she was a dancer with a pixie cut hairdo big beauty eyes that could see right through you totally confuse you we had the AC going but the air was warm two rebel rebels who didn't dare conform in the town of Brandon where all the dads were born and no one ever leaves we had to smash the norm which meant dressing up like punk rock hopefuls pissing off the jocks outside of the socials this one at Danceland where all of the folks go were we a couple well I privately hope so we're on highway 10 passing Minnedosa I think that time is friends but I'm not really over she drives me round the bend like a Chevy Nova a corny metaphor but F it I'm trying to close the deal She's into likes, but the truth proved elusive Love the pursuit, but not when it's exclusive Once I made the pledge, guess it brought us to the edge Better off friends when somebody tends to hedge their bets But then, the tension was magical Remember that weekend and nothing even happened though The attraction, the freedom, the season I think back fondly and it goes beyond reason That's adult contemporary rap. So <laughs> I'm 46 years old. What do you want me to do? It's album-oriented rap. That's right. Album-oriented. 
AOR baby. That's right. I like that. Hey, his his guitar playing just lends itself really well to your vibe. Yeah. You know, at least on yeah. You're gonna like it if you like that, because um he's all over it. Like he's on probably two thirds of the songs, and then we have another record together called Noodles, which is just instrumental that I'm ready to finish and put out soon too. So. Is it called noodles because you guys just noodle around it's with your exact, Exactly. <laughs> you got to You got to You might want to consider calling it "send nudes," spelled N-O-O-D-S. <laughs> you might catch more of the young, younger demographic with that. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the marketing that we've needed on this label for all these years. That might be. That might uh, be. It. I really like that though. Okay. Girl two. Yeah, well, we'll see. I have to. I still have to name these songs. They're still working titles, but basically, okay. I've got cover art ready to be laid out, and like uh, Pip did some some doodles, some drawings for me for the cover. So I gotta nice. get I gotta get this finished. But basically, I figure I'll do it as a podcast in um, after the new year. I'm gonna finish this podcast and then then do that one and put the album out. So fantastic. Um, and this podcast is almost done because we, um, you know, we've had lots of great guests, yourself included. We had LaPair, we had Pip a couple times, we've had Smitty, we just had Gruff last week, which was exciting. Yeah, and, free show um, dudes. Yeah, and so coming up, still to come, I've got Shazam I'm going to talk to this week from Freak Show. And nice. I'm still working on talking to the legend Odario, who has said he wants to do it, so hopefully he'll do it and um josh martinez and then i'm um, probably just a final episode with getting honeycut back on to say goodbye and then that'll be it so i think there might right. only be four or five more episodes and then we're gonna call it a year well that's a productive year no kidding hey crazy yeah well it was so really good. fun to have you on with me to do this and to walk through my career did you have anything uh, to, you wanted to ask me or anything else to talk yes. about I, okay, I have a burning question. Let's I have go. a burning question. Um, I know it's like asking you to pick your favorite child, but do you have a personal favorite McEnroe project? Um, I guess it's like the two favorites would definitely be Disenfranchised and Burnt Orange, I guess. And and I'm really happy with Brandon, but basically my thought about, my thought about EPs, because I've done all these EPs where EPs were like, I just want to get something out. So so they would be a little more uneven so like the ethics ep came out it was like i was just itching to do some stuff and i was trying different things and it's really uneven and you know the rapping's kind of all over the place and then the convenience ep was like i've got these two songs that i want to do an album around but um and then i just did a bunch of like collaboration tracks but disenfranchised i put all this energy into and i was like really focused and i wrote it for a long time and and you know same kind of same thing with the paper champion was like yeah, just, I'm just gonna, I really want to get something out and it's been a while and you know, that kind of thing. But Burnt Orange, I just put years and years of like a whole, just so much energy into writing that album where it was like, I was researching, I was reading, rereading all my classic novels and rewatching movies. And like, I had notebooks of notes for like pl wow. the plot. And just, I put so much energy into that as a concept. And I listen to it and I'm, I still listen to it and I'm like, I'm really, really happy with my writing on this record. Like sometimes I listen to, you know, like I listen to my rapping and writing on the ethics EP and it's like, uh, it's whatever. Right? But, but I listen to Burnt Orange and I'm like, no one's done anything like this. I don't know if anyone liked mm -hmm. it, but I know that 
I'm proud of it, right? So those are the yeah. things. And I think I think Brandon's cool, but it's not, you know, I, I'm Brandon's a different, very different record, but Brandon is a very loose record and it's more about the memories and trying to get them onto tape than it is about mm-hmm. how I was writing Burnt Orange and like putting that kind of energy into it. So yeah, it'd definitely be, you know, like I said, it's like it, when I haven't, I've only, this is only my third album. So putting, we put a special, I put a special kind of energy into an actual album and it takes a long <clears> time, but. Yeah. And Brandon would say it's kind of a bit of on a memoir tip. Yeah, it definitely is. It's, it's very, very, like it, it is an autobiography it's it literally is like the first song is me moving to brandon and the second song is me meeting tyler on the first day of school and, and the third song is about all this you know me hanging out with the skateboard dudes and then there's like the, the girl who i talked about in that song is a real girl who i went to high school with like it's all extremely real like there's almost no it's not even embellished really like there's a song if you remember the song um, that Farm Fresh did called uh, Hugs and Kisses, right? Where I talk about mm-hmm. losing my virginity. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a song on this album that's more the full story of like um, dating that girl. And then, and really the arc of that, you know, this is a much more serious song because that, that song was really fun and just playful of like losing your virginity. But this is about hanging out with that girl and then having a pregnancy scare and and like you know being super nervous just as i'm graduating high school and then once we get the all clear i basically broke up with her right away because i just couldn't take the stress and didn't look at her the same way right and it's like yeah and that's the song and that is a hundred percent real and like like that happened where i'm sitting in the car and breaking up with this girl and tyler and pat are outside dancing outside the car like and I'm sitting in the car with this girl being like, I can't see you anymore, duh, 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 duh. And then Tyler and Pat are doing Tyler and Pat things outside, like just screwing around, like. <laughs> and, this, and so that's this, that's this song and it's like 100% real. Like this whole album is, is, is basically just an autobiography. So it's a diff, very different record. But, sure. Um, but very yeah no it's not fiction in, in any sense right like it's all these stories there's a there's a story yeah. of uh a story of how i met like i knew pat from from junior high school because because we went to um shop class together right but we didn't really get along but then later on i met, i was dating this girl and the girl's best friend was pat's girlfriend so we started mm-hmm. double dating and so i have a song about meeting meeting this girl and meeting pat and then the girl wanting me to stay overnight and like you know lose my virginity mm-hmm. to her and and i'm like two chickens so i left and then then she dumped me but I, but at least i was still friends with pat like that's the song so it's all pretty wild right this is great i'm so excited <laughs> for this record yeah it's pretty funny and then there's songs about like you know jocks wanting to beat me up like being a little skater kid and, and like right. first punk rock band and all this stuff it's all super real and super nerdy like uh, autobiography so you'll love it or hate it we'll see but put a lot of work yeah. into it i tell you that yeah hey you put a lot of work into like we started this 
with a song from 1998. So yeah. we're talking 22 years of music on and off, but mostly on. So thanks for the music. Hey, thank, thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, thank you for joining me and thanks uh, for being a listener and all that good stuff. And um, I want to thank all the listeners for listening to this podcast. And I want to thank David from UGS Mag for hosting it and putting out the good word so um hey if you have any questions for us for the last episode which is coming up quickly anything you want to touch on don't be shy you can reach me at um online at, at big McEnroe on twitter at big McEnroe on instagram or roddy at net on email if you have anything and so some of you have already sent me some things unprovoked where it's like someone said talk about pnc cribs so we'll talk about pnc cribs on the last episode for a few minutes because Tyler um, directed a bunch of those episodes. So any topics or any questions anybody has that you want us to touch on on the last episode, um, which is probably about a month away, then let us know and we'll get to it. Otherwise, um, thanks again for joining me, Steve. And uh, don't be a stranger and let's talk soon. Yeah, thanks for having me and keep well, my friend. You too. Thanks a lot. Thanks everybody for listening and have a good night.